Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 486 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode features Meredith, and she's here to talk about being the mother of a child with type 1 and about understanding, creating, and cooking for a FODMAP diet. That's a funny word, right? FODMAP? It's not actually a word. It's an acronym. This episode is going to be ad-free. It's a Memorial Day celebration. No ads. Hey. But it is part of the How We Eat series. Now, if you're not familiar with that, I'm going to spend 20 seconds explaining it before the episode starts. But it's going to happen after I tell you that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. All right, let the music finish up. I'll spend those couple of seconds talking about how we eat, and then we get right into the episode with Meredith, who, by the way, is a super fan of the show, and I'm sure right now is shaking in her pants listening to this. The How We Eat series is building up a nice little uh, repertoire. Is that the word I mean? Eh, It doesn't matter. So right now we have episode 373, Vegan Cat, which is not about a cat. Episode 400, Carnivore. Episode 405, Plant-Based. Episode 439, Gluten-Free. Episode 453, Low-Carb. Episode, episode, boy, ready? Here we go again. Episode 480, Dr. Bernstein, and today's episode 486, FODMAP, and there are many more coming. This has become a a favorite for people, and I'm very much enjoying having these conversations. I hope you enjoy this one with Meredith. Check out the others. Hi, my name is Meredith, and I am the mom of uh, three children, one of whom is a type 1 diabetic. Cool. And Meredith, you're on today to talk about uh, an eating style, is that right? I am. Okay. Um, we have a lot of interesting food issues. The reason that I'm here is to talk about the low FODMAP diet, um, but um, we actually eat not just low FODMAP. Um, my daughter has lots of food allergies as well, so that um, also interacts with diabetes and um, and low FODMAP. Okay. So I assume that first you present with a food allergy and then how does that, how does that present itself the first time it happens? With food allergies? Yeah. Like what's the first, like what's the remembrance you have of like, Hey, does anybody notice she turns purple when we eat lettuce or something like that? Like uh, whatever happens, you know, well, you know, it goes back for us before my daughter that's diabetic is my second child. And so the food allergies go back to my first child. So really we were prepared for it. So with my first daughter, my oldest is, I've got a girl, girl, boy. Um, and the, um, oldest, um, was just presented with food allergies when she was two months old and had eczema and was, um, fussy all the time. And so that was, um, just from sort of essentially birth. And we figured it out through what, you know, I was nursing and what I was eating. Um, and then, 
as we were introducing, and I had to eliminate foods from my diet. And as we were introducing foods to her diet, she had some full-blown reactions. By the time my second daughter, um, who was like the type one diabetic, by the time she was born, we were like assuming she had allergies. We didn't know. And it was also the way they treated allergies then is very different than what they do now. That's a whole, (laughs) it's changed a lot over the years. Now they introduce peanuts to kids um, practically from birth at like four months old, they want to give them peanut powder. And based on a whole study in um, actually started in Israel, but where they give kids bomba, which is like this peanut snack anyway. And they found that kids had fewer peanut allergies. But when my kids were sort of in that sweet spot where they were uh, preaching total avoidance, um, and they've since changed some of the um, recommendations. But at any rate, when um, Eve was uh, born, we ended up testing her for a lot of foods and avoiding a lot of foods um, initially. And she tested positive for a lot of food allergies. So some of a lot of her allergies um, are to things that she actually never even ate. So we didn't know for sure that how she would react. And then later um, we would go to the food, we'd go to the allergist yearly and have blood and skin tests. And she either had like, she had a couple of accidental exposures, but they were kind of minor because we were so careful all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, So I never thankfully had really a full blown turning purple when she um, really horrible uh, reactions, but I carry an epi with me all the time and, and everything else. But she did have um, several food challenges um, in the office, which is my kids laugh at this, the name, but essentially you go to the, the food, they go to the allergist office and they give you a little bit of the food that you, they think you might've outgrown and then a little more and then a little more and then a little more and hope that you don't, Turn get purple. sick and yeah. turn purple and whatever. Anyway, and um, she had some that were successful and some that were not. And gotcha. um, some of those ended with EpiPens and um, yeah. yeah. Well, let me let me go all the way back to your, to your first child and your breastfeeding. So you figure out she has allergies to something and you eliminate it from your diet. Yep. That's kind of fun. Like, so what did you have to eliminate with your first daughter? Oh, wow. Well, remember? when I was nursing, I eliminated dairy, eggs, nuts, wheat, soy. I don't remember. She's 19 now. What were um, you eating? Would you just like styrofoam with salt? Or what did you have by the by the time you eliminated everything? <laughs> uh, well, there's, you know, we, we do a lot of meat and potatoes in our house. Meat yeah. um, and chicken and rice and a lot of rice. Um which is um, causes it, the interaction of all of the food issues um, is I think one of the hardest things around um, with diabetes too, because then um, as each, each condition sort of builds on the other and then it becomes um, because my daughter also has um, stomach issues. She's always had stomach aches and even her allergies, which, some of some of the things we didn't know, she would get a lot of stomach aches, and we didn't know whether she was um, alert. She say, I, you know, she didn't feel well after she ate things, and um, that's actually why it turns out she's eating a low FODMAP diet, um, which is something that is usually um, it's a treatment for um, IBS, and 
Um, she didn't know whether she was allergic to every single thing she was eating. She kept getting these stomach aches. And it turns out that um, she had to avoid foods for, for that reason. And it turns out like, so then there were things that were good for her to eat on the, like to avoid for the low FODMAP diet, but aren't good to eat um, because of her allergies or, and then late, then she was diagnosed with diabetes, but it's like, well, but that's, you know, you should have these low carb things. And there's a whole list of low carb things and she's allergic to half of them. You know, it's just, you know, we sort of had to like look at the list and say, well, she can't have this. She can't have this. She can't have this. And you just cross off half the thing. Wow. So there's basically three different things to consider. Oh, by the way, we keep kosher. Yeah. yeah. So four <laughs> different things to keep consider. Just, you know, why yeah, not? Just, I mean, I mean, honestly, how many things could be left, right? <laughs> so you remove the, well, okay. All right. So I understand all that. What does FODMAP stand for? Okay, so FODMAP, which is a crazy diet, when um, FODMAPs are, and I'll read you this that I, I took off the internet, FODMAPs are a collection of short chain carbohydrates, which are sugars, that aren't absorbed properly in the gut and can trigger symptoms in people with IBS. And they're naturally found in many foods and food additives. And there are four kinds, and they're hard to pronounce, so I'll do my best, but they're all oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. And so <clears throat> when we were um, advised by um, Eve's doctor to avoid, to go on the low FODMAP diet, um, I said, okay, you know, sure, I can do this. I've done food allergies. All three of my kids and my husband have multiple food allergies. Wow. I said, I can do this. I've done this for years and I cook in all these crazy ways. And mm -hmm they aren't all allergic to the same things. So I said, sure, just tell me what she has to avoid. And then they gave me like the list and it's not a category. It's like some fruits are high in um, FODMAPs and some are low in FODMAPs and some are percentages. Like with food allergies, if you can't have eggs, you can't have eggs. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. Um, and just a little bit can kill you. If you can't have peanuts, you know, it'll kill you, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm used to that in, um, with FODMAPs, one of the things that, um, you can have depending there also, some people can tolerate certain amounts of certain things, but for example, um, um, what well, peaches, which is, you know, a favorite fruit of my daughter's, um, she could have like one peach or one nectarine, or if she had that a, a nectarine or a peach today or tomorrow, she couldn't have a you know watermelon the next day because then it would just it builds and it's sort of the too much too many FODMAPs together will then affect her her stomach. So you can have um, things that impact not quite as hard. But if you stack them up too close to each other day after day, it's the same impact as having something that strikes her that hard. Exactly. Gotcha. And so what you usually do at the beginning is you do a total elimination diet, and then you add in a food from each of the different four categories or some of the foods from each of the, the four categories um, separately, and you add them back into your diet to see whether it's one of the categories or two or three that are affecting you. So for example, the oligosaccharides um, are fructans and GOS, which are in foods like 
wheat, rye, onions, garlic, and legumes. So onion and garlic are completely out of our diet now. My husband always used to joke that I put uh, black pepper and garlic salt on everything you know I made. That was just sort of our staple. Um, and I now don't use garlic <laughs> at all. Um, although, oddly, you can, in a low FODMAP diet, you can flavor things with garlic. You can flavor the oil with garlic, but apparently the garlic doesn't get absorbed into the actual oil. So you can infuse garlic with oil and then remove the actual garlic. Hmm. There are all these really weird tricks. And then like the scallions, you can use the green part of the scallion, but not the white part of the scallion. There's a whole Australian university called Monash that's devoted to this. I don't know if they're devoted to it, but they have a, a unit or a division yeah. that um, focuses on FODMAP. And um, they're really detailed and they have an app and everything that talks all about low FODMAPs. And um, it's fascinating because this is very scientific. It sounds like complete voodoo to me when I was reading the, the list. Um, like, for example, for the monosaccharides um, are fructose. So this is there's a lot of overlap. It's really interesting when you talk about diabetes and how you eat and carbs. And when you were um, talking about the, when I was listening to the episode on glycemic index, there's a lot that sort of overlaps. Um, it's, it's different, but it sort of comes and it comes at it from a different angle, but there's a lot of kind of overlapping, interesting um things ha and so what do with you mean the monosaccharides i'll just just tell you that the fructose is one so it's in honey right. and apples and like she can't have honey apples or high fructose corn syrup but she can have maple syrup for example okay do you know what well, i guess there's no way to by the way this sounds exhausting it, it is it, at no point did you <laughs> were you just like oh, oh god i'm gonna leave them at the mall and that'll be the end of this because well, we're just let mommy's going out and just never come back and and you I've guys are going to have to fart them. your whole lives because I'm not doing this. Like, what is it? You know, I mean, seriously, like just so just thinking about an elimination diet, first of all, to get your answers about what it is that you can and can't eat or should or shouldn't be eating. Like, How do you start an elimination diet? Is it like with a piece of chicken that you boil and then <laughs> <laughs> and everyone eats it in horror? They're just like, oh terrible and then <laughs> there's honestly like i mean that's the thing is that it i it starts with total paralysis is what it starts with okay um and you kind of go oh my god what am i going to feed the family which is actually kind of the way i started with diabetes too like oh my god how am i going to feed my daughter um but then slowly i did what i did with food allergies too and i went to the internet and i looked for um Facebook groups and I looked for recipes and I looked for um, resources. And essentially I started with brand new recipes and I just looked, you know, you Google, you go to Pinterest, you go wherever and you find low FODMAP recipes. And then what I would do is I would modify them because in, inevitably it would have something in it that my kids were allergic to um, <laughs> and then, or something they didn't like or something that was an ingredient that, you know, I couldn't get or, or whatever, but I tend to make a lot of different meals, which yeah. is, you know, one of the things that, um, <laughs> you know, they say, Oh, you know, if your kids don't want your main meal that you make for dinner, like just tell them they can have cereal tonight. Um, 
when everybody's allergic to different things and everyone has these special diets, it's not really fair at some point to say, well, too bad. Yeah. What, um, what What's the reaction of, I mean, you, the children, everybody, the family, when you realize that this is the way you're going to eat? I realized it was probably different for you because of the food allergy thing, but but what like I'm trying to imagine if I went to Arden tomorrow and I said, "Hey, we're going to eliminate everything from your diet to figure out why something happens." She probably would kill me in my sleep. So I'm trying to figure like seriously and or at least put up one hell of a fight about it. I can actually I can envision her saying, "I'd rather my stomach hurt than do this." So Well, I think that there are a couple of issues that you're there. Yeah. As far as the food allergies, I actually think it was easier because my kids were diagnosed with them really from the get go. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what it's like to eat whatever. My oldest is, has now outgrown all her nut allergies. And the craziest thing is that she now eats like all, all nuts. I mean, it's just blows my mind when she eats peanuts and cashews and uh, walnuts and talks about the differences. And, you know, I, I just is, totally crazy. I'm used to thinking of them as poison. Um, but <laughs> so they, they didn't know what it was like. They didn't know what they were missing. That's something that, um, was a- almost easy. It was harder when they went to school and more of a social component, mm-hmm. um, and going out with their friends and going to restaurants and those kinds of things were the most difficult. Um, for the low FODMAP diet, which came, well, Diabetes came in in between and then the low FODMAP diet came after. So in terms of timing, um, so with diabetes, um, we don't, we don't eat differently really for diabetes. There was only a very short period of time, um, when, um, Eve was first diagnosed that the, she was, she didn't have one of those horrible diagnosis stories where she was um, uh, admitted she wasn't in DKA. Um, she had a whole variety of health issues for about a year where we were trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with her, which included a lot of stomach issues, which actually had been going on for much of her life. She'd had a lot of stomach discomfort. And, um, I went to one doctor for second opinion who did a whole battery of blood tests. And I got a call the next day and it's like, where's your daughter? And I'm like, well, she's at school. Yeah. And they're like, her blood sugar is really high. You need to come get her and redo her blood test. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick her up for, it was actually some other test for something else. Cause like I said, she was having all these other issues and I'm going to get her in a couple hours and take her to the doctor for something. They're like, no, no, you need to go now. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like, I don't know anything about blood. I don't know anything about diabetes and I don't know what they're talking about. We don't eat sugar in my house. There's no sugar in her blood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm about to get on the subway. I'll call like literally about to get on the subway. Like I'll talk to you later. And I got off the subway like three stops later and the phone rang, like my cell phone rang and they're like, it's the doctor. Like, where are you? And I'm like, huh? It's really important, huh? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) They're like, like, you're not getting it. Give me a half a second. And you need to have this checked. But anyway, um, I lost my train of thought and why I was... Um, well, while you're finding your train of thought, I'm taking off my headphones to take off the sweatshirt. Hold on a second. Okay. How incredibly unprofessional of me was it to do that right in the middle of the episode? I would never forgive myself if I was you. But since we're taking the break, 
Have you heard about the Diabetes Pro Tips series that begins at episode 210? If you haven't seen it, you can check it out at juiceboxpodcast.com or diabetesprotip.com, or just go back in your app to episode 210. I'd also like to recommend, as I said earlier, the How We Eat series. If you're interested in algorithm-based pumping, there's a whole series about that. We have Defining Diabetes, which I'm very proud of. It's terms about type 1 diabetes that are explained, but not in a dry way. There are short episodes with Jenny Smith and I. We explain the term and then put it into some context for you. So sort of like, imagine if you saw a hammer, didn't know what a hammer was, and someone just said, it's a hammer, you use it to strike a nail. That would be not very helpful. But if you said, it's a hammer, you use it to strike a nail, and then explained what a nail was and why you might want to use a nail, well, then that would be useful information. To me, that's what defining diabetes is. I'm just going to take this moment to let you know about another series that's coming up also with Jenny Smith. It's going to be called Variables. Super interesting. We had, look at me, I'm like, it's super interesting. You, you know, Now you either have to believe me or you don't. It's up to you. Went to the Facebook page, the private Facebook page for the podcast and asked for people to make a list of things that impacted their life with diabetes. And a list came back, I think over 150 things long. Jenny and I are going to do these very short kind of burst episodes about variables. So you'll start seeing them soon. Yeah, that's fair. You're going to start seeing them soon. That is so much better. Okay, good. Um, anyway, so she, um, so she then was diagnosed and basically what they told us. So then we were, we had like two days where she, they knew her blood sugar was high and we had an appointment the next day or one day and they had an appointment the next day at the diabetes clinic. Mm -hmm. They got us in right away, but they told us we could go home. And then we, we went back in for training like outpatient. Um, and we came in like two or three days in a row, um, for hours long sessions of how to learn to use insulin and count carbs and all this stuff. But they basically told us for, you know, two or three days, like, just eat really low carb. Like don't eat any carbs for the next two days was essentially what they told us. Um, so while, while we went home, I mean, cause our blood sugar wasn't crazy high, but they're like, you know, just eat, you know, have, have protein and don't have any, any carbs while, while we're doing this. You're like, just give me a list. I know how to eliminate things from a diet. This won't be any trouble whatsoever. Right. So, <laughs> so that was, so in that case, so that was just a couple of like days where we really ate very like she had a lot of cucumbers and mm-hmm. um and then um and then in general with diabetes we don't we don't eliminate um food from our diet all that often um except for you know sometimes like she had an important test and i was like you know let's not have dessert tonight let's try to have a really low like a low carb dinner tonight or you know let's see what's going to not impact your blood sugar um a lot. Um, she's a junior in high school now. Yeah. Um, you know, those kinds of things. So in that respect, I think about her diet with their diabetes, but I don't otherwise say you can't eat sure. X, Y, or Z because of your diabetes. Um, although when we had to figure, then we had some big changes when we moved to low FODMAP because for the elimination diet, it's not that you can't eat any foods. It's more that there, you pull a lot of things out of the diet, but it was one of the um, initial things was, well, she can't have apples. So one of the things she had, she just was a staple 
for low blood sugars was apple juice. Okay. So I was like, oh man, like she has apple juice all the time. Right. Like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? So now we do grape juice. But like, so I had to get grape juice boxes. I think I still have juice boxes of apple juice somewhere in my back of my cabinet. Just don't know what to do probably with. Probably expired. That I gotta, you know. What ditch, were her? But- what were the symptoms we're talking about? Like, you know, because I'm obviously I'm looking online too, uh, and cramping, diarrhea, constipation, stomach bloating, gas, and flatulence. Um, is that basically, or is it just you're in pain? Is it hard to put into words? She had stomach pain for years and years and years, and I think um, she's a. A, I think well, let's leave it at that. Wait, that was fascinating. You started to say something and then you stopped yourself. And now I'm going to wonder for the rest of my life what you were going to say. <laughs> you don't have to say, you know what? Forget it. Say it and I'll bleep it out for you. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to leave it at that. All right. Okay. So she had stomach pains for a long time. Yeah. And, and I mean, really, since she was, since she was little and um, we seen lots of doctors and done lots of things and chest, you know, checked and well, that must be various medicines. And, um, this is one of the things that is, um, has helped and, um, it does help. Um, and unfortunately it's doesn't help all the way for her. Okay. Um, but it does help. And so when you say, is she willing to do it? Well, yeah, because, it helps. Right, right. Um, but no, it sometimes really sucks. Mm. So she wants to eat things. I mean, like licorice is like something she likes. And right. she, you know, it has the Twizzlers have wheat in them. And she now is on the gluten-free diet. Well, as you know from other things, the, all the gluten-free stuff has stays in your system longer and has probably has like a higher glycemic load. And right. it's, it's um, you know, has other other issues um and cauliflower you know you could do a nice cauliflower pizza crust well she can't have dairy so that's a whole other issue um but you know cauliflower instead of pasta say you know do rice cauliflower or something well that's that is a um that's high fodmap so she can have cauliflower but only in a a small quantity so um there are a lot of interactions between the foods that cause um problems or you know it's just a balance yeah between what you know what do you want to what do you want to choose you want to so she ends up often with higher carb choices um (laughs) that impact her blood sugar and that we then have to figure out how to how to deal with yeah when did she when was she diagnosed how old again she was diagnosed when she was um Almost 12, when she was 11. She was diagnosed in, yeah, in 2015. Right. November. Actually, this is her uh, anniversary month. Come on. Oh, uh, no kidding. We're here. Um, Do you know all this off the top of your head? Like if I, if I came to your house and I had a big bag of food and I sat your daughter next to me and I started reaching at her with a banana, would you know that's okay? Or, oh my God, stop, no banana. Like, or, or are there times when you have to stop yourself and say... I don't even know if we're allowed to eat this or not. Like, when does it, you know? So I, mean? I can tell you which foods everybody in my house is allergic to. Wow. I have, it's actually really funny. I have a joke that I want to make, like a Venn diagram, um, like a piece of art mm-hmm. that's a Venn diagram with like who's allergic to what um, and like sell them to people. But like, 
I just think it's funny that maybe I'm the only person in the world that thinks it's funny. But anyway, um, you realize now that you said that everyone listening who doesn't think it's funny <laughs> is thinking in their head, yeah, Meredith, that was not funny. Okay. <laughs> well, not there's funny. someone's laughing only their head off. Is that right joke now. in my house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bleep yeah. that part yeah. out. No, no, no. It's staying in. You're screwed. So, um, <laughs> um, for the FODMAPs, it's interesting. I guess um, Eve started that when she was a little older and also it's so complicated i know we're on video nobody else's but this is a list of like some of the low fodmap foods and like different categories um i have to look i i mean i don't remember and then there's this app i mentioned the app i like literally go on the app and look so i know a lot of them but like for example she can have as many strawberries as she wants i think but not as many raspberries so when i say it's arbitrary like it's really arbitrary yeah yeah. like you know she you know berries are mostly okay but like strawberries are better than raspberries and like really right um (laughs) i'm i'm fascinated by the way that your other daughter just magically is not allergic to nuts anymore She's not magically. Well, you know what I mean. You did something though. Like you introduced them slowly. Is that very slowly? And you have a lot of food challenges and we spent years going to the doctor and having, yeah, crazy. And actually um, we've got some food challenges scheduled. Well, and have been canceled given due to the pandemic canceled a couple of times for um, Eve um, so she actually has outgrown, she out, she did outgrow almonds. She can have almonds and she can have pecans, um, and pine nuts. Mm. Um, of course, almonds are not low FODMAP. Um, <laughs> and she has a couple food challenges scheduled, but sh- until she tries these foods in the office, we won't know for sure. So, um, there are a few foods that she could potentially have outgrown, but we don't, know for sure and it's not safe to try them at home because there's really unfortunately no way to know for sure unless you eat the food whether you've really outgrown it because even though they do blood tests and skin tests they're not foolproof and there's really no real way to know so until you know know. i'm 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 imagining the horror that would come if i my entire life i wasn't allowed to have an almond and then one day someone says oh great you can have almonds again but this intersects poorly with your other thing. So you can't have almonds. Or, by the way, I pop an almond in my mouth and I go, I don't like almonds. Well, <laughs> that you that know, would be really such funny. a downer. <laughs> when my oldest daughter had her peanut challenge, we was really excited about it. And we get to the office and she's got peanut butter in front of her. And it's on a spoon. And I'm like, okay, like, go for it. And she literally, it was like a magnet repelling it from her mouth. She could not put it in her mouth. And I mean, I understand because actually I'd literally been telling her it was poison her whole life. But she was so, it was like she couldn't get it in her mouth. And finally she did. And then she was like, oh, I like this. And and then the other ones were easier. But (laughs) um, And then she was fine, it turned out. But it was, she was understandably terrified. I mean, it wasn't even... It wasn't even terror. It was almost just like an inability to yeah. put it in her mouth. Yeah. This would be perfect for me, I have to tell you, because I don't love food for some reason. Like, I don't, there, I can't think of one thing that I eat and I'm like, oh, this is the thing I should eat every day for the rest of my life. I don't, I'm so happy because I'm eating whatever this is. I have never felt like that in my life. And as, um, you know, I had Paul Saladino on a couple of weeks ago and I prepped by not 
like basically eating very low carb, more protein mm-hmm. um, out the week leading up to him. So I kind of would like have something to talk about with him if in, in case it, like it didn't go well. But and he ended up being terrific. But uh, but I had lost like seven pounds by the time I spoke to him. And now it's got to be like a week and a half later. I'm like 13 pounds lighter. I'm not even hungry anymore. Are I just you get still up. Doing it? Yeah, I mean, I just get up in the morning and I'm like, food, not really necessary, I guess. Huh. Yeah, I do, you know, so I'll I'll eat. I'll still have protein. Like yesterday, I had, I don't know, I had a piece of chicken and a couple of fried eggs at one point. I think my son oh. had bacon and I stole like two pieces of bacon from him. And, um, by nine o'clock last night, we were watching election returns and everybody was like snacking. And I was just like, hey, I'm not hungry. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I'm not hungry anymore. Um, I, assuming that most of my hunger comes from like the interaction of carbs in my body. I have a carb and then my body is like, you know, it's probably like crack to it. It's like, oh my God, eat more of that, you know? Uh, but I've eliminated so much of it now. Like, I think if you gave me four foods to eat, I could probably go on for quite some time like that, but mm, I wish that were the case for yeah. me. Not not chocolate, the case for you. You know, there's there's always chocolate. <laughs> oh, you know what? I should be completely honest. The way I get through all this is I take a small bag of Giardinelli's chocolate chips and I pick at them. Mm-hmm. Once or twice a day, I'll take like five or six chips and I'll be like, there we go. And that, <laughs> As long as I kind of like whatever the sweet monster is, as long as I give the sweet monster that, but it has to be really good chocolate. Like if I had a Hershey's kiss, it would mm-hmm. make me nauseous. So there's something about like, like quality, just like quality, the, Scott. The quality. No, I'm, I'm actually not joking. Cause I I've tried it cause I'm cheap. I wanted to just do it with a Hershey kiss, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause those bag of chips are like $3. I am really cheap. <laughs> the bag of chips are like three dollars. I'm like, that's very expensive. Um, but that's that's how I've gotten through. And there are days I don't go to the chocolate chip bag, but uh but that's really it's fast like yesterday was one of those days. I was just not hungry yesterday. It never occurred to me to eat. I only ate this morning because I started getting tired. I was like, am I shutting off? <laughs> so and I'm gonna eat something when I'm done speaking with you, but I uh it's fascinating what happens to me when you take away carbs. Although that's not what you're doing. You're just, I mean, that, that list you showed me is crazy. You, you know? Um, oh, no, it really is. Of how many things <laughs> that the, this, so, and it's, it's funny when you say FODMAP, it, it obviously, and you explained it earlier, but there are so many big words that I just want to roll over it one more time again, right? It's, it's, sure. it's FODMAP stands for fermentable. Mm-hmm. Oligosaccharides, whatever doesn't oh, doesn't matter. Oligosaccharides. Okay. Disacharides. Dis- disaccharides. Monosaccharides. Mm-hmm. Look at me and- following. Boy, you're not gonna let me try the fourth one. Oh yeah, go for it. Polyols. Yeah, go for God, it. Yeah, damn, right. And then, which are short chain carbohydrates. You sure you said all that, but but the point is, is that when I heard FODMAP in the past, I always just associated it with. You have to eliminate things from your diet for some reason. I always thought of it as like a, what am I trying to say? Uh, not as a specific thing, but an idea. But it's a, it's a specific idea. Incredibly specific, actually. It's very specific, and it's based in um, scientific, like the examination of the, you know, the scientific um like molecules, like I can't think of the right word of um, 
the elements that are there make up the food. Um, and it's really, I don't know how you analyze it, but you've, they've got scientists breaking apart what's in a watermelon and what's in a chickpea. And, oh my and God. Just, it's so funny. You said that my daughter's friend, uh, maybe two years ago, they're like, they couldn't find her. Everybody's like, where's Sanjana? I can't find Sanjana. I haven't heard from Sanjana in a couple weeks. So they're texting her, texting her. And finally she's like, I'm in the hospital chickpea incident <laughs> and, oh, and, no. and and she was doing um a, an adding like they were re-adding things mm-hmm. you know she had some allergies too and they've been having a lot of success and i think somehow the the counting got off with the chickpeas and she just had too many chickpeas trying to and I, the whole time i'm hearing this story i'm like just don't eat chickpeas like who can- <laughs> was this uh was this a fodmap or this was an allergy it was an allergy and they yeah, because my 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 kids are allergic to chickpeas also. Well, okay. So listen, <laughs> what's going on here? Did you marry your brother or something like that? How no. come no? Like, how come nobody can eat anything in your? Is it just? <laughs> is it in the extended family at all? Yeah, we've got allergies in the extended family. Okay. Too. Okay. Yeah. Um. Actually, both sides of the family have allergies. I like to think that we gave them a lot of other benefits and really great genes in other ways. But no, the, the allergies were pretty much a perfect storm. Wow. So here's an, a question that I've been dying to know the whole time. Everybody's weight average, like does eating yeah. like this lead I to mean, a slenderness is, I guess, my question? Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much were, I mean, um, Evie was really skinny before she was diagnosed. Um, right. But um you consider them to be like average, but like you are like average build, like, like I'm trying to decide like, does eating like this make me super skinny or not necessarily, or it's even like with that gluten-free stuff, I've seen people put weight on with gluten-free because. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that it's actually very easy to, um, it's actually easy to overeat and to eat too much or the wrong things mm-hmm. because you end up. I mean, anyone can justify eating too much, except for you, because you don't like food. Oh, no, but, I can uh, definitely eat too much. But you have to give, like I said, it's got to be crack. It's got to be like, oh, cookie. Right. And then my brain goes, cookie. And, <laughs> and then I'm but done. I think sometimes if you can't choose what you want exactly, mm-hmm. you might eat too much of something else because be- it's available or because, I mean, I've seen my kids like eat things that are like, they got a dessert. They don't, they, you know, and they don't know if they're going to get it again or there's, you know, something. And so they'll, they'll want, you know, it's special, mm-hmm. but they'll, you know, it's sort of this like, Oh my God, I got this amazing cake. And who knows if I'll ever get this cool, amazing cake again, because it's really hard to get. And then they'll want to eat more than you would otherwise, but no, they're not, they're not overweight. They're not underweight. They're pretty right. much, you know. I understand your kids basically have a depression mentality about yes. <laughs> about yes, some food. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay, and I don't know that they have it. I just think that that I've seen I've seen it. I mean, when it was interesting when my my oldest was little, she had no snack. You know, no snack. She had no treats. She had no anything. And then when I found things she could have that like I didn't make myself that were store bought that were safe for her. And now there are so many allergy friendly um, available treats. Um, and even low FODMAP treats you find there's a like low FODMAP logo that you can find on some, um, um, foods now. Um, but anyway, um, but now you find things in the, I would find something in the store and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can buy a store bought 
packaged cupcake or whatever it is. And I'm like, wow. And then I would of course buy it because it exists. Yeah. Right. Like not because we needed it, but I'm like, Oh my God, we have to try this. Oh no, sure. I understand that. Like I, no, <laughs> nobody wants a cupcake, but it says FODMAP on it. Just take it. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Right. Is it an expensive way to have free, to egg free, dairy free, <laughs> nut free. How can we not get it? Right? <laughs> How uh, is, by the way, is it flavor free? <laughs> Or, or do it's they find? Those. How do they That's figure that out? The problem, you guys. No, I'm wondering. Think that no, we make really delicious food. Cool. That's excellent. How do you? So you just, you just kind of, I was going to say pepper it, but you, <laughs> you, 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 um, you just use different spices that you're able to use. Yeah, and um, and honestly, what I really try to do is I really try to make food that everyone in my house can eat. Um, for the most part. So that's the thing about, I think, I think low FODMAP for us was actually kind of the, (laughs) the death knoll to that a little bit, if you will. Um, With the allergies, I mostly am able to do that. Like even for example, like my husband um, is allergic to wheat. So he was eating not, not exclusively gluten-free, but allergic to just wheat. So if, for example, I made spaghetti and meat sauce or whatever, I'd make two pots of pasta. So that was one thing that I would do separately. Like I'd make him gluten-free pasta and I would make everybody else wheat pasta. Yeah. Um, and I mean, now Eve also eats gluten-free pasta for because of FODMAP. But for most other things, I would try to make a main course and most of the food that everybody would eat mm-hmm. um, with some exceptions. Um, I think... The low FODMAP somehow um, has, there are some things that I do that way and a lot of things that I do that way, but I do tend to make a little bit more, um, I'll make two things or, or I'll make, like I'll make two main courses where it's the same main course, but I'll separate it out where half of it doesn't have garlic and half of it does because but there's all kinds of other spices that I've, you know, started to use as alternatives that I make spice mixtures. I just make a new, I make, I make, I mix up my own spices. So yeah. I mix now, and you know, I didn't used to, but I'll mix up curry powder without garlic in it or onion. And I'll mix up a taco seasoning that doesn't have garlic and onion in it. And I mix up and you can find, you know, recipes for all these things online, but you know, there are all kinds of different um, spice mixtures that I'll just make. Um, and I use a lot of oregano and basil and, um, I use a ton of turmeric and, um, you know, Indian type spices. Um, a lot of them aren't, don't, um, even, you know, necessarily call for garlic or if they do, I just leave it out. Right. Wow. I, 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 geez, I, you're so at ease with it and comfortable, which is comforting. And, um, <laughs> no, seriously, like, because I, you easily could have come on here and been like, oh, we have to eat like this, Scott. It's a drudgery every day. We consider ending it. You, you know what I mean? But you're just, you're, you, you don't feel that way. I'm assuming it's because no. you can make a lot of different things and you put some effort into figuring out what those things are. And people have been amenable, but I guess it's hard not to be amenable if you're allergic to something. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. yeah. But did you ever run into fights with the kids? Like, did they ever say like, look, I don't care what you say. I'm eating this. Or does that, you just got them at the right age. Maybe I don't think that's ever been an issue. I think it's more that they won't, they might not like something that I make. So I get, I get into a lot of like, I don't want to eat that. Or I'm, I get a lot of, um, dinner fatigue and whether the dinner fatigue is coming from me or from them is not, always consistent yeah but i mean i'm sick of making dinner because 
sometimes because either I feel like I'll make something that people don't want to eat. You know, it's not, you know, there's the, oh, I went to all this trouble and I made this elaborate thing and then people don't eat it. There's that a little bit, but it's even just like, I don't care what I make. I'll make anything. Right. Just tell me what it is that you'll all eat. So um, there's a little bit of that. My son eats, you know, meat and rice, like, you know, sauteed meat, you know, just fat, plain ground <laughs> meat and rice for, you know, it's a default for like most meals. And he's very happy. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll go through this phase where I'm like, that's really just not okay. Like I have to do something else. Diet. Yeah. And, and then he's not happy. And then I'm frustrated. And I'm how, like, okay, how old he's is he? happy. It's not that bad. Yeah. How old is he? <laughs> Um, he's 12. Oh yeah. Oh, please. When Cole was 12, I gave him chicken like every day. So wonder he can't fly and lay an egg. Um, I, I have to be honest. I've gone through, it took me years not to have my feelings hurt when I made a meal and everybody's like, it's fine. I'm like, fine. Like, you're like, fuck you. <laughs> I've been in the kitchen since two 30. What do you mean? It's fine. It's amazing. And if it's not, you shut up and eat it and smile and then just later say, ah, don't make that again. But while I'm still hot, don't tell me it's not. Any, like, like I'm standing here. I'm like, all right, here you go. Mm, what is this on it? You yeah. sons of bitch. <laughs> the best thing I did, actually, is I made a Google Doc where I wrote down, like I listed the title of, of different um, recipes with a link to where I found them. And then I made a couple notes. Mm-hmm. So, um, because the problem is I was saving things and that people were like, oh, I really like that chili you made. And I knew that if I made it, I either printed it or I saved it in printers or I saved it somewhere or whatever. But I was like, which chili? Cause I tried two or three and they're like, you know, the one we had whenever. And I'm like, and so then I'll make the chili that I think it is. And, and they're like, that oh, one. not that one. That one was gross. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know which chili it was. And I can't figure it out. I am so terrible at that insane. too. No, I know. I, I that, that happens too. They're like, make this again. It was good. And you make it. And you're like, oh, that wasn't the right recipe apparently. <laughs> it really. So you must hate cooking shows, right? Because it's just a view of things you can't do. <laughs> Yeah, I don't watch cooking shows. I bet you wouldn't. The whole time I was like, there's no way Meredith watches cooking shows. They must be I watch so- home decorating shows and that's just aspirational. My yeah. home doesn't look like any of them. <laughs> I yeah, I I so like I like I said, I haven't had anything except protein and you know for I gotta be coming up on like three weeks now. But on Sunday I got, hey dad, can you make that pizza again? Mm-hmm. And so it's like homemade pizza. Like, so I'm gonna make the dough from scratch i'm gonna do the whole thing right and i'm like am i really not gonna have pizza seems unlikely (laughs) you know it seems unlikely um but i'm worried i'm worried that my body's gonna not be like oh why are you having flour like what are you doing you haven't had that in four weeks by the time i eat it and there'll be some sort of a revolt but uh (laughs) i don't know yeah the one thing we don't do is sort of like i i don't i I guess we eat all these specialized diets but i don't do like a no you know no flour no whatever i guess i do i mean i do no gluten for some of the people and no but it doesn't i don't there's a pretty wide mixture of i of concepts in your eating still it's just there's so many things we don't eat that i feel like i can't restrict other things right so like for example a lot of what we eat for at least for two of the kids 
um, overlaps with vegan, but there's no way we're vegans right. because um, we eat so much meat. But yeah. they don't. But my daughters don't eat. Are allergic to dairy and eggs. So I don't have any eggs in the house. Literally, they are not in the house. I have not ever sure. had an egg in the house, and there's been no product that has eggs in it in the house. Um, which is, of course, a great low carb food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, so how does this all? All right. I'll tell you what, I want to know how this intersects with type one, but I want to take a detour for a second first. Sure. And, and you don't have to talk too much about this if you don't want to, but you are helping me with something. And I want to thank you where other people can hear me. Thank you. Oh, Ser- seriously. So, um, I mean, everybody who listens knows that I like I just got done editing a show that's going to go up tomorrow. And at one point in the show, the guy said FOMO. And he was hiking, and he went on this trail somewhere. And I'm going to call the episode Hiking the FOMO Trail, which has <laughs> almost nothing to do with anything that we spoke about, right? <laughs> and then I'm going to write a two-sentence description that says, this guy has type 1 diabetes, was was diagnosed as an adult, and teaches overseas. <laughs> That's what I'm going to write, because by the time I found him, booked him, interviewed him, edited it, put it back together. I've got seven, eight hours into his episode and I'm gone. Like at that point, like I I can't sit down and like, you'd be surprised that I just got done editing his show. And if you asked me to write a synopsis about it, I don't a hundred percent know that I could because I'm not listening to it for that as much while during the editing process. And during the conversation, I'm just trying to keep the conversation moving I'm trying to listen and ask questions that I imagine people want to know the answers to. So I'm never in a conversation the way a human being is while I'm making this podcast, right? <clears throat> so um, people complain to me a lot about it. <laughs> they're, 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 and the more popular the podcast gets, the more frequently I get complaints. They're always very kind complaints. Like, oh, I wish there was a better description of this show. And I always see that somewhere and think, yeah, I wish there was too, but I'm only one person, so this is pretty much what I have. And it was I, I on the private Facebook page. It came up again pretty recently. And I just said, like, look, if you guys want to do this, that'd be terrific. And you really took, like, control of it. And you were, you were, you were very nice about it. You weren't, you weren't, you didn't swoop in. You're like, I'll handle this. I was, you were like, I can be a little helpful. I met, I think I messaged you privately and I'm like, just do this if you want to do it. Like, just, but leave me the hell out of it. (laughs) Like, I can't, I can't really think about it too much. Um, And, and you guys are doing like, you put together like a group, right? There's 15, 16 people. There's a great group of, I think it's about 16 people. And um, everyone is really, really invested and have great ideas about how to tag the episodes and summarize the episodes and um, give them um, different, you know, information that's will be helpful and more searchable for, so that if people are looking for something specific that they can, and we'll still have all of your um, great fun titles and people that want to listen from the beginning, like I did, um, we'll do that. But if you have a kid that is, um, going to puberty and, um, you really want to find something about that, or you're really struggling right now with, um, your cal- you know, basal 
basal um, testing and you want to look for that and not just find the defining diabetes episode about it, right. but you want to hear other people talking about it. Uh, you'll be able to search for that. It's very, ex- I am genuinely excited. I used your, you did a sample synopsis of uh, Alyssa Weilerstein's episode and I that used great. it. I did not know you were a cello and, and uh, until that one, I loved it. And so when I put it up, I was like, this is what these should look like. <laughs> I, I, was, I found myself fairly disappointed in myself as I used it. I was like, yeah, I should have been doing this. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard. It's a nice, in my mind, it's a really, it's not just a nice have. It's an amazing have. But I know how well the podcast is doing, and it did that well without descriptions of the episodes, too. So I'm not like, you know. I think the reason that it's so necessary is because the the podcast has done so well, and there are so many episodes now. Yeah. I think the more episodes there are, the more necessary it is, because when there were only 20 or 50 or 80 or even 100, then – it's fun to find out that Terry lives on a boat. Um, but when there are 400 or 600 or hopefully a thousand, um, maybe you kind of want to search for something specific. Right. And I think that the people that are interested in doing this to help you, Scott, are really interested because we've all found your podcast so helpful for That's us. Right. And um, it's a way for us to, first of all, make it even more user-friendly for us and other people, but also to say thanks. Cause you know, it's been great for us and for our kids and for all the people that um, you've been helping. I really, I very much appreciate that. I seriously do it. This is, and it's a pretty big departure for me because I was just like, I met Meredith. I like, I listen, I know as many of you as I can through like avatars and, you know, things people say, like, I can't really keep up with everybody, obviously, but um, your, I remember your avatar and I associate your avatar with reasonable things being said. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, that's how my brain works, right? Thank you. And so you jumped in, and I'm like, oh, reasonable lady with the curly hair in the picture wants to help. Okay. Like, that's <laughs> – so um, – and I'm like, that makes sense to me because there are crazy people I can think of. And if they would have popped in, I would have been like, oh, stay quiet and pretend you don't see that. <laughs> So I would have handled it a different way. Uh, But it really is. It's amazing. You guys developed a list like like basically this form to fill out while somebody listens back to an episode and fills the form out so that the information can be put in. And I tried to I tried to give to the to the the whole project on my end as much as I could, too. And I um, I uh, somebody donated some money. Uh, through the blog, I used the money to pay for a service to do transcripts of the podcasts. And so very slowly, I've added transcripts online. I'm, I haven't told anybody yet. They're there. If you find them, they're there. But I'm just, I, ha- I don't, I, I don't, um, I'm not correcting them. Meaning like I don't do a transcript and then go through it and go, mm-hmm. oh, it made juice box two words, you know, b- basils with an eye. Like, you know, you'll get the idea if you're reading it. Uh <laughs> But I've been adding them slowly because that is another thing people ask for that they don't ask for a lot. But I'm like, okay, well, that seems reasonable to do. So I've been doing that. It's a ton of work. I swear to you, as I started doing it, I was like eight episodes into it. I was like, why did I do this? I just should have like continued to ignore people's desire for a transcript. But um, but I am doing that. And I, and I have heard back from a couple of people who found them on their own. I was like, hey, I just read episode 11. And I'm like... Wow, and you have to understand that from my perspective, 
I love the podcast. Like I could listen to the podcast on my own, but it's still when you hear somebody say they read a transcript of a 45 minute conversation you had, it's it's overwhelming to hear somebody say that. You know what I mean? You're just like, no, come on, because I start talking in the kitchen and halfway through my sentence, my wife walks out and I'm like, oh, my God, like she I like I'll sometimes I'll be like the other like a lot of people waiting to hear what I have to say. And she's like, I'm not one of them. And she like rolls out of the room I'm like, oh, Jesus, that was harsh. You, you know, um, but but anyway, well, my family is pretty sick of you, too. I talk about you a little too much. You tell them to screw off, too. I don't care <laughs> if they all know they're not careful. I'll, I'll, I'll feed them a blueberry. And so, <laughs> I think blueberries are OK, but only in maybe limited quantities. I'll have to check on that. <laughs> I, I did my best to guess. Um, I'm going to look and I'll tell you. <laughs> It's like I have an app on my phone here. I can tell you right now if you can kill my family with blueberries. I do. I'm going to tell you. I think you can actually have blueberries in almost in a, in a lot. We're going to see. That's fascinating. Um, if I can figure it out. Anyway. Well, um, well yes. anyway, I really appreciate that you took the lead on this. I appreciate everyone who's doing it. I am trying to – I'm figuring something out to say thank you to you all with because the truth is is that once you get through the backlog of 400 of them, uh, oh. I'm going to need you to keep going because <laughs> – because a new one's going to come out, and then where are we going to be? Um, I think that people are there. We'll keep going. It's really so you nice. can have a, a, a cup of them. A cup of blueberries. A cup of blueberries are green, I think. Well, they have fructans. They're green for fructose and lactose and mannitol and sorbitol and GOS, but they are they have fructans in them. Did you say oh, fructans? I know. Okay. They're low in a quarter cup. But then they're yellow at a third of a cup, and they're red if you have. Oh, I see. Like a severity, cup. a whole so cup. You can have a quarter cup. You can have a quarter cup with no problem. And What's after a that, it starts to get a pro- problematic. What the heck's a fructin? That sounds like something I did when I was younger. See, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. I really, I genuinely appreciate it. It's, it's been, it's a very, like you guys, you, you obviously keep me in the loop and it's like a very professional undertaking. I feel like a project manager when I get you, I'm like, wow, my people are working well together. They're good people. They They volunteer. They're good people. I genuinely believe that everyone listening to this podcast is good. And and I'll tell you that I come to that from that private Facebook group because I, because once it got to 7,000 people and it's still such a kind, gentle, lovely place to be. I was like, wow, there's something about this podcast that that you must pull in people like this or something. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to quantify it, but it's absolutely, it's lovely. So, um, all right. So before we finish, like to finish up, I'd like to understand um, somebody's having an allergic reaction or a physical reaction. They can't figure out what it is. They're pretty sure it's food. They try a FODMAP diet, which is basic, is just very simply broken down as a three-step process. Stop eating high FODMAP foods, slowly reintroduce them to see which ones are troublesome. Once you identify them uh, that cause symptoms, you can avoid or limit them while enjoying everything else worry-free, unless you're your family, which is... And you're really supposed to do it with a dietitian for FODMAPs. They really recommend right. you do that with a dietitian, but yes. Get a doctor. And and so, so that's the process. But what happens when your low FODMAP and type one. Is it a more insulin situation or not so, necessarily? Not specifically, really. You eat the same way you otherwise would eat, but there are certain things that we switched a little bit. So okay. for us, it was just, I know I looked at the low FODMAP list and then I said, okay, these are things 
that are issues for us because of diabetes. So for example, um, like I said, um, we were using apple juice for lows. We switched to grape juice. Um, honey was a sweetener that we were using. I don't know, um, whether that's really for diabetes, but whatever, we switched to maple syrup. Um, artificial sweeteners are not, um, good on a low FODMAP diet. So that's, that's an issue. So, um, cause artificial sweeteners are better if you're diabetic than using, um, you know, too much. Um, yeah. um, so that's, well, it's that's just something, something less to have to think about. You know what yeah. the and you know the argument around artificial sweeteners are is they make you hungry so you don't eat sugar but you eat something else and it might be a toss up anyway. Right, yeah. but yeah. in terms of just like drinking and stuff so you yeah. don't, don't want to have like one of those, you know, right. uh, some kind of a drink with an artificial sweetener mm-hmm. or whatever else you actually need sugar but then you're going to have to to dose for that or whatever. Um you can't have high fructose corn syrup, that's something. So lots of candies and things don't work for, for lows. So a lot of it was really like, what are we going to use for lows? Yeah, um, that, more immediate that changed stuff, it. right? Like, like when you need something to work right away, your brain goes to simple sugar. So what do you do in a panic situation? So that's, so that, that was the issue. That was, I was really interested in, in the glycemic index thing was saying that like, um, fructose, like there, I was, I was listening to that and some of the things that work faster are actually high in FODMAP. Mm. And so, um, maybe that's why some of our things don't work as well, but, um, we use grape juice or, um, Eve uses chocolate, which doesn't work as fast, but that just happens to be something that, um, she uses. So she has, um, allergy friendly chocolate bars, um, that she keeps with her and she uses that she does use glucose tabs. Um, now, but she didn't used to. Um, and then other things that were sort of relevant, that's not really low FODMAP so much, but, um, is sort of goes along with stomach issues a lot is you really shouldn't have too much ibuprofen. So she was taking Tylenol and she gets migraines too. So, (laughs) so Tylenol, um, then would affect the G5. Um, now at least she's on the Dexcom G6, so she can have more Tylenol, yeah. um, but not too much Tylenol because then her G6 will still go wonky if you get too much. So that's an issue. Um, gluten-free pasta is something that you need to have, um, or gluten-free, and you know, you need to eat gluten-free on the low FODMAP diet. So um, that's higher carb than some of the other um, grains. So yeah. that's kind of an issue. And a lot of the low carb foods um also don't work with low FODMAP because they have inulin in them. Okay. Um, which is a problem. So uh, there's just this like interaction of things. And I would say that, that low FODMAP interacts fine with diabetes. I think you just make some substitutions. Um, I think the, and I would say you especially make substitutions for lows. I would say the hardest thing is really probably the allergies and the diabetes because a lot of the low carb things that would be great go-tos are things that my daughter's allergic to, but that doesn't mean that everyone's allergic to. Sure. sure. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, if you're not tired, then I don't, I would be, I'd be tired. <laughs> I just, <laughs> are you allergic to anything? I, um, I don't eat soy because it gives me migraines, but ironically, you know, my everyone else in the house can eat soy. 
Um, but no, I'm just allergic to like dogs and cats and environmental stuff. But gotcha. not foods. Wow. Jesus. All right. But it won't kill me, you know. Are your children going to really disclose this during dating? I think they're. I think if they do, they're limiting themselves. They shouldn't. They should keep it very private. <laughs> <laughs> My kids are real catches. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> hey, you know, if we get married, you won't be able to eat, you know, anything. <laughs> I hope you enjoy fish and rice. <laughs> Other than, no, they can't have fish. <laughs> no fish. Sorry. <laughs> That's not true, actually. The girl's going to fish. My son can't have it. It depends. You have to pay attention to who. You know, you got to think about it. That cracked me up. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure they have other. I, I just I'm telling them just that they want to be earners. You know what I mean? Like like wage earners. Like so people are like, <laughs> you know, we can only eat five things, but she makes a good living. Steak works, you know. Steak. So, yeah, they do. They need to make a good living because they really like steak, steak and potatoes. No kidding. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it more expensive to eat this way or probably the, oh, the meat? Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Our food bills are like nuts. Wow. Nah. Well. <laughs> no pun intended. Our food bills are like nuts. Um, well, I'm just glad that you ate the nuts slowly to get rid of the nut allergies and didn't rub them <laughs> on you. Because I was like, is, as you were saying it, I'm like, is Meredith going to say we had to rub nuts on our kids? <laughs> then she no. didn't. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> uh, anywho, you were really kind to do this. I am trying really hard to get all people's styles of eating included in the podcast. Um, I had been having Paul on recently talking about carnivore. I only got one half like kind of sideways pushback online from somebody who was like, that's, you know, I for, forget what they said, the fad eating. And I was like, listen, it's fat. You call it whatever you want. And I was like, the guy's got one of the most popular podcasts on Apple. Like it, it can't be because it's a fad. Like it must be because a lot of people are doing it. I don't know if it's right or wrong or not. I'm not, I'm not making a judgment about it. I'm just trying to find out how other people eat and talk about it. So I really appreciate you doing this one because this one's specific and you, you jumped right up and you're like, I can talk about FODMAP. And I was like, get out of here. All right. And then I you don't ended know up- how many people it'll, it'll, um, will be relevant for, but I, I, you know, I and, think it'll be, Oh, and I want to say one thing though, Go ahead. that I did not cover is with all of our crazy eating things. Um, Eve's, um, A1C is now down. The last time we had an appointment was now down to 5.1. Wow. Well, that's because of me, though. No, it's, just, oh, yeah. No, I'm just Definitely kidding. I was stop. joking. Stop. <laughs> you don't let me oh, make no, the joke yeah, and then go. It, was, it is, though. It is. It absolutely is. That's very cool. Good for you. I'm. Any of the other kids have markers for type one that yeah, you know of? One does. Yeah. One do we does. do we tell which one it is, or we just tell them it's one of you? <laughs> I know, and 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 my child knows, but I don't need to. No, I wouldn't ask you to tell everybody else. I was just wondering if you were like, hey, if you got them both tested and you said, hey, one of you's got it, but I'm not going to tell you which one. No, I, I don't think I would do that. The child does know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad, uh, you know, how long ago did you look? Would you use trial net? I did trial net and it was uh, fairly soon after diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Wow. So a couple of years ago. Well, I've been following it. Something to look forward to. We're <laughs> <laughs> not. Great. Who knows? Thanks, God. Marta, thank you very, very much. So that was Meredith, and this was another episode of How We Eat here on the Juice Box Podcast. Look for more coming soon. I'm going to ask you 
uh, what am I going to say to you? You know, there's nothing to say. There's no ads. I'll tell you what, though. If you've been thinking about checking out the T1D Exchange because you've heard me talking about it, I'm going to just put the information right here after the music. And if you haven't been thinking about doing that, just let me remind you that the show grows when you share it with others. Please subscribe in your podcast player or follow in your podcast player. If you're not listening in a podcast player, consider it. And uh, that's it. I really appreciate you listening. The show's doing fantastic. It's all because of you guys, and I couldn't be more grateful. Last thing, the T1D Exchange. The T1D Exchange is looking for adult type 1s and caregivers of type 1s who are U.S. residents to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few minutes from your computer or your phone, right from your home, like on your sofa, you could do it. After you finish the questions... I took the, let's see, I did it in about seven or eight minutes. I didn't find the questions to be deeply probing. They were actually kind of basic questions about type 1 diabetes, but they need the data. They need the answers to these questions from many, many people. So I was happy to throw in with them. Anyway, uh, when you're done, that's it. You're done. You know, it's uh, 100% anonymous. It's HIPAA compliant. Uh, You don't have to go to a doctor or a remote site, and you're still helping people. I think you might get an email from them like once a year where they'll be like, hey, there's another opportunity here for you. And if you're interested, you do it. And if not, don't do it. It's just you putting your answers into a registry that allows them to take that data and make decisions. They, they influence things that happen in the world for people with type 1s. For example, test trip coverage, Medicare coverage for CGMs, ADA guidelines for pediatric A1C goals, that kind of stuff they've impacted. Even labeling for CGMs to include finger stick replacements, that data helped with that. This is super simple to do and incredibly valuable. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. You get there, click on join our registry now, answer the simple survey, and you're done. If you do it, you're helping other people with type 1 diabetes and you're helping the podcast. I hope you check it out t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box.